0: Sapiti o saporoko i nasatu, made po wat sukiti watana sile sanichang, Utaba jataru tamma watandi, ayu ano sukang palang. This is a traditional blessing chant as the evening opening of our eight-day retreat together. Um, It is an enormous pleasure to welcome you here to the Institute of Mental Physics, um, and to this desert, and to this retreat, for those of you who I've not met yet. My name is Jack Cornfield. and if this is the first time you've come on retreat, I'd particularly like to welcome you here. You may be sitting here wondering quite what you've gotten yourself into. Um, there's a story of Flannery O'Connor, the Irish author, tells about how as a boy, he and his friends would make their way across the countryside and when they came to an orchard wall that seemed too high and too doubtful to climb over and too difficult to permit their voyage to continue they would take off their hats and toss them over the wall and then they had no choice but to follow them and somehow you have thrown your hat over the wall and ended up here at the Institute of Mental Physics and for those of you many of you who are experienced practitioners, people that I know for years and years. It's also really a pleasure to be back and practicing here together again. I really welcome you as old Dharma friends. This place, the Institute of Mental Physics, um, the Science of Mental Physics was founded at the turn of the previous century and this place was established, I think, initially at the end of the 1920s. Um, by Reverend Ding Lee May, who was an Englishman, that walked on foot to Tibet in the 1890s um, and got teachings from various Tibetan lamas. Um, he was a, a businessman in China and map maker and so forth, and then eventually found his way to Los Angeles and Hollywood and so forth and started his own religion, as people tend to do in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> and moved up here. When this place was founded, it was just a dirt road that went by. Um, Now, obviously, things have grown around it. But if you walk even five minutes into the desert, and we encourage you to walk out into this magnificent, beautiful desert, um, it becomes as if there's nothing else but the desert. It's really quite wonderful. And Mental Physics Land goes all the way back for a mile and more in that direction, so please do that. Um, this is the almost the 30th year that we've had retreats here at the Institute of Mental Physics. Um, I've spent several years of my life in this room, along with, at other times, Ram Dass and <coughs> Wavy Gravy and Kala Rinpoche and all kinds of various Tibetan lamas and swamis and mamas and teachers of all kinds. Um, and find the desert to be a truly conducive environment. As Don Juan's teaching Carlos Castaneda said, for me the world is incredible because it is awesome, mysterious, unfathomable. I've wanted you to understand that you must learn to make every act count for you will be here in this marvelous desert, in this marvelous time, for only a short while. In fact, too short for witnessing all the marvels of it. And in every wise society since ancient times, it's understood that there are cycles and times where we each need to go into the desert, go into the mountains, enter the temple, go on retreat, take a Sabbath. Tonight actually is the first night of Passover, so it's a very beautiful night to begin as a sacred holiday to begin this retreat. Um, To step out of the ordinary life that we are engaged in and listen more deeply to the heart, to the wisdom that we carry, to the stillness of the wilds around us, and to that voice inside that knows, the one in us who knows most deeply what guidance, what understanding life can bring us. I'm happy to say that I'm joined in this retreat, we are joined together with a whole crew of wonderful teachers and colleagues who have collectively done probably several centuries of meditation practice, Um, starting on your right, Adrian. Um, Ross, from British Columbia, who's been teaching for a long time and is also a physician and parent and teacher of all kinds of things, and Julie Wester, who has been, um, I remember, practicing together with Julie 35 years ago, something like that, and being at this, probably at the first Yucca Valley retreat, she's been, she's a main teacher at Spirit Rock Center and Dharma practitioner for, for a very long time and wonderful teacher. Heather Martin, also from British Columbia, midwife, and midwife to the Dharma as well, to the birth of spirit and wisdom and understanding. Um, many years of practice in this country and in England and retreat centers and other places around the world. Um, my very dear friend and colleague, Howie Cohn, from, also from Spirit Rock Center and from the Bay Area, who was practicing ever since he was a very young man. And we've been teaching together for decades now. Is that right? In this very room and elsewhere. Um, also trained as a therapist and as a husband and father. He's in that training in those particular areas. <laughs> That's a, um, Trudy Goodman, um, practiced 30 more or more years, um, both Vipassana and Zen practice. Um, Taught, has been teaching for many years, um, also um, trained as a psychologist and therapist and wonderful teacher. And Richard Shankman, who's over there and two chairs over, and then uh, sitting, who is um, uh, just come from a wonderful long retreat in the East Coast at IMS in the Forest Refuge, where he spent most of the last year in retreat, and he's been teaching in the Bay Area. In, uh, and Palo Alto with Gilfranstall's Sangha and practicing te- and committed to the Dharma for many many years. So It's really a pleasure to have us all together as a team of teachers and to be with you. We come together for these eight days to undertake a, a, a marvelous adventure to stop the busyness and complexity of our life and be with ourselves in silence with awareness and attention with metta, with loving kindness and compassion to really pay attention in the way that our hearts know how to pay attention deeply when we have the time and here there will be plenty of time to do this and to listen and learn and open, purify, understand. We come together to undertake the Buddhist, traditional Buddhist practices of mindfulness, compassion, loving-kindness, which lead to inner freedom. And for a short time, for our eight days here, we make, perhaps, the largest monastery in California. Certainly one of them in our population. As Thomas Merton says to the modern eye monasteries may appear pointless but the apparent pointlessness of the temple in the eyes of the world is exactly what gives it a real reason for existing. In a world of noise and confusion and conflict it is necessary that there be places of silence of inner discipline and peace not the peace of relaxation but the peace of inner clarity courage and love. In a world of tension and confusion, it is necessary for there to be those who seek to integrate their inner lives, not by avoiding the sorrows of the world, but by facing them in their naked reality and ordinariness and awakening to that which is greater still. And being in the desert is a particularly beautiful place to come on retreat because the weather of the desert changes fantastically. Yesterday we had rain, which is quite unusual in the desert, this rainstorm that came through, and big clouds, and then a huge rainbow over a good part of the Joshua Tree National Park that you could see. And there are tortoises there, some of them I've known for a long time, and kind of are old friends and coyotes and you know, bunnies and little kangaroo jumping mice and, and uh, squirrels and all kinds of birds, big owls and all the, you know all the life of the desert. Um, and you only have to walk a little ways out there to start to feel, especially with this season and the flowers to feel the greatness of the natural world that we rest in which is traditional in Buddhist practice to step out of the kind of rote life and open to the rhythm of nature, the rhythm of our own inner life and so the inner weather will probably match the outer you will have rain and tears and storms and clear skies and sun and then a little bit more rain and wind and it all comes and goes and the great spaciousness of the desert and the sky becomes in its own way a teacher for you. Oh, nobly born, say the Buddhist texts, remember who you really are, remember your true nature, your Buddha nature, And as you come to sit and walk and retreat, let the great heart of wisdom and compassion in you grow in this temple and in this time. As we practice together, we will support you as best we can with evening Dharma teachings, with a schedule that you'll see which is a silent day of sitting and walking meditations alternately you'll sit for half an hour forty five minutes and then do a walking meditation then sit again Um, and as you do you get quieter and more open we will support you with in a group and individual interviews, we'll meet with each of you in a small group the day after tomorrow or the following day. And then we'll meet each with each of you individually a couple of times during the retreat to check in your meditation, answer questions, be of help. Um, you will be supported by the cooks who make delicious food by a teaching of loving-kindness meditation that's offered every day and woven in the whole field of the practice that we do. And you'll be supported by the silence of the retreat, which if it's new to you, it's not meant to be a kind of difficulty or punishment, but we call it affectionate silence. The silence that's inviting and delicious and allows you to return back to yourself. Whether you're new here or a more experienced practitioner, let your own body and mind settle these first days. It takes time no matter how long you've practiced. It's really good to have a sense of patience. Um, a poem from Naomi Shihab Nye, the Palestinian poet, she writes, the Arabs used to say When a stranger appears at your door, feed him for three days before asking who he is, where he's come from, and where he's headed. That way he'll have strength enough to answer or by then you'll be such good friends you don't care. Let's go back to that. Would you like rice, pine nuts? Here, take the red brocade pillow. We'll take care of your horse too. No, I wasn't busy when you came. I was not even preparing to be busy. That's the armor everyone puts on to pretend they have an important purpose in the world. I refuse to be claimed by that. Your plate is waiting. We will snip fresh mint into your tea the first few days, the first three days before asking who you are and where you come from and where you're headed is just the quality of patience and graciousness, a returning again and again to breath and body. Be kind, be patient with yourself. Remember that song, You Can't Hurry Love? Well, it turns out it's true in meditation as well. You can't hurry meditation, but you can let things settle and unfold and release and the tensions in the body start to relax day by day and the mind start to quiet and the heart start to soften. And the other thing that's important, along with the spirit of patience, is a kindness or compassion for yourself, for everyone else here. It's a lot of people in this temple And you have roommates, maybe you haven't had a roommate since college, you know, or whenever, and, oh, my heavens, how will it be, and so forth, it's fine. We're really all here to support one another, and beside it saves on the airfare, you don't have to go to India and have an even more crowded temple with, you know, um, dysentery and the other things that might happen to you, and so forth, you get to come to Yucca Valley. But it's a wonderful and suitable place, actually, we found over the years. And if there's a spirit of patience and kindness, especially toward yourself, as you sit and walk, it will unfold beautifully. As George Washington Carver said, how far you go in life depends on your being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, and tolerant of the weak and the strong, because someday in life you will have been all of these. And in the course of the foundations of mindfulness, of the training of awareness and compassion from the great lineage of the Buddha, as we practice sitting and walking, all these things will come to you as well. And if you bring a spirit of sympathy and kindness and graciousness, to yourself and those around you, over the days it will become stiller and deeper and really serve and nourish you. So again, I thank you and I welcome you with pleasure.
1: I'd also like to add my welcome to all of you. I see a lot of friendly, familiar faces. Can't wait to connect with you in your practice. It's it's a, for those of you who are new, as Jack said, it's a, a great adventure. It's a great blessing to take this time out to keep quiet and look within. It's so rare in this world. It's so incredibly rare. It's just such a tremendous momentum to do to keep um, running from silence. So one of the ways that we help ourselves enter and to formalize our monastery experience for a week is to uh, first reflect on how we got here. Of course, we all have our own historical version of how we got here. But the reflection I'm thinking of is realizing that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the, you could say, the dissatisfaction of someone who lived 2,500 years ago, a prince in India, who was human like us, not a celestial being, a human being who had a lot of pleasure in his life, but somehow felt um, dissatisfied and felt the angst of, of being alive and, trying to find some kind of reliable place of rest in the midst of the reality of of birth and and sickness and death and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that uh, human being what happened for this historical figure 2,500 years ago is he took this deep question of where is there a reliable refuge to be found and he put it to practice and he did very much what we're doing here over the course of this time and he realized a sense of well-being, a freedom that uh, was independent of conditions being a certain way and his mind relaxed, he entered the stream of life and stopped struggling with it so much he awakened to his Buddha nature—that within each of us that is, that is has the capacity to be free, and is—you could say—is already free. You could say is really your own mind. We awaken to our own mind, which is intrinsically free, but we've completely lost touch with it. So one of the ways we begin the retreat is we take refuge in this, uh, this. Uh, example of this historical figure called uh, the Buddha, but also we take refuge in that capacity in our own hearts. And we keep reminding ourselves of that. We do it formally on the first evening and we'll chant it, but taking refuge in the Buddha is really again and again doing, as Jack said, coming back to our present awareness, to the immediacy, the, the aliveness of our own present awareness not to be found anywhere else. So taking refuge in the Buddha is both historical and immediate. What the Buddha realized under the Bodhi tree 2500 years ago and is really part of what makes it possible for us to even do this kind of practice, he realized that there was a tremendous power to acting um, in a non-harming way in one's life, practicing generosity, training our hearts, training our minds to be to be still, bringing our minds and bodies together. The power of training ourselves. He realized the the depth of, of connection, that our actions impact each other every action of our body or our speech or our mind. We're impacting each other all the time. So for the next 45 years of his life and the teachings that we hopefully will present to some degree here he taught what's called the Dharma, the teachings. And so we can take refuge in these teachings not as a belief system not as views to adopt but as a guide to our own inquiry, our own practice of realizing um, what the Buddha realized, realizing that sense of well-being that doesn't depend on anything. So we take refuge in the support of these teachings. Taking refuge in the Dharma, that's taking refuge in the Dharma, the most immediate sense of taking refuge in the Dharma and in the teachings is to take refuge in how it is things are. And this very much swims against the stream for most of us in the chronic tendency in our minds to take refuge in how things are supposed to be. And that doesn't seem to have made, it hasn't made anyone happy, unfortunately. So when we take refuge in the Dharma, we take refuge in just how you're feeling, even right now as you hear these words. How it feels to be in this room. What's the nature of your, the condition of your body, your mind? How it is. And to begin to trust that. To trust the awareness that notices it. To trust whatever the life of your experience is right now. Because that's what's happening. And this is also an invitation in taking refuge in the Dharma. It's an invitation just to arrive not to be so busy as we are in our life trying to get somewhere. It's the invitation to settle back into the truth of the moment. So every method that's offered here, even though there's a a progressive uh, process of transformation and progress, it's all fulfilled by taking refuge moment to moment in the Dharma, the truth of this instant. So that means to enjoy it. even as I'm saying these words, I'm kind of enjoying just being present. Sometimes I can forget to do that. Just to be. So we take refuge in the teachings, the Dharma, the Dharma of liberation, take refuge in the Dharma of the moment. Last but not least, we take refuge in the Sangha. And traditionally the Sangha was called the Arya Sangha, the Sangha of awakened beings, all the beings who had taken these teachings that were offered, these guides, and put them to practice and realized that kind of freedom that, that uh, was realized in the heart of the Buddha. And we can take refuge. It's a kind of mystical connection in a way. When, we, I, when I think of all the m- many beings throughout centuries, There's something that happens when I think of all the beings who have practiced and awakened. There's some connection that can happen. If you don't feel anything, that's okay too. Uh, But in a more immediate sense, besides taking refuge in the fact that there have been beings who have practiced and awakened over centuries, in the most immediate sense we take refuge in in the community. Sangha means association or community that comes together for the purpose of, of waking up and being present. We can take refuge in this amazing Sangha. It's very rare to practice with this many people. It's, wow. So maybe even right now look around for a moment at your Sangha. Humans. <laughs> I know in my early practice I would look at my neighbor and they would be sitting still and I would be certain that they were getting enlightened and I wasn't but but I would I would imitate them and I drew a lot of strength from the people next to me because we'd go through a lot on a retreat Of course it can be great fun but it can also be difficult at times and just to really take in the support of the uh, community. So the way I'd like to ultimately formalize these refuges that can serve as supports to us throughout the retreat is to chant them together and to do it in, in a way of call and response. So I'll put out some words. First I'll do a brief introduction, then I'll chant some words and you chant back at me, at us. Or just, we'll all chant together. And we will have officially entered the stream of practice.
2: Han tamayan buddharata nasa tinayan jakaro se. namo Your turn. namo bhagavato arahato Sama sambhutasa, sambhuta sa, Namo Sambudasa, bhagavato, arahato, samma sambutasa, namo tasa, sa, ta bhagavato. To sama sambutasa, chami budang sarananga chami. chami dhamang saranang chami, dham sarang gachami, sankang dutiyampi dutiyami budhang Sarananga budhang saranaangachami dutiyampi dutiyami dhammang saranaangachami dhammang saranaangachami dutiyampi dutiyami sanghang gatayamhi gatayamhi budhang sarana gacchami budhang sarana gacchami gatayamhi gatayamhi dhammang sarana gacchami dhammang sarana gacchami
1: I go to the Buddha for refuge, I go to the Dharma for refuge, I go to the Sangha for refuge. So have a marvelous retreat. Happy to be with you.
0: Just one little thing to add about the support for your practice here. I forgot to mention, every afternoon for those who would like, in addition to walking meditation, Franz, the manager you met, is also a very skilled teacher of Qigong and will be offering a class of Qigong out uh, in the desert just behind here for those who like. And every morning as we come in to meditate at 8.45 we will go systematically through the instructions of the foundations of mindfulness, the primary meditation instructions in the Buddhist lineage of awareness of breath and body, of feelings of mind and thoughts, of the whole realm of our um, body and senses, and how to work with our experiences using the fundamental trainings of awakening so that it leads us to greater and greater ease and, and um, inner freedom. And those will be repeated every day and there'll be time for questions as well. So you'll get the training in a systematic way for those of you who are um, new and joining here, this group um, we've probably we've had thousands of people come through these retreats and many who keep coming back just because of the nourishment they bring so adrian
3: beautifully with you, um, the practice of taking refuge. And the Buddha also had another way of supporting the container that we come to practice in. And he recognized that meditation alone wasn't enough, that there needed to be these three aspects, or the three legs of the tripod, so to speak. Virtue or the teachings of ethics, that's how we live our lives. And the meditation practice, and then wisdom. And so, at the beginning of the retreat, we we lay the grounds for our own support for the safety of this container by bringing into mind um, the mind trainings that comprise the five precepts. And these are not um, commandments um, that talk about good and evil or Um, a strict way that we should live our lives because often commandments like that lead to feelings of guilt, which is very prevalent in Western society. And the Buddha saw guilt as being both unnecessary and counterproductive. Um, And so what he taught was something very simple, that our actions either lead to suffering or they lead to happiness for those of for ourselves and for those around us. And so that we can begin to look at, will this lead to happiness for me and everyone else, or might it lead to suffering? And so then, these five ways of being were ways of training ourselves and aligning ourselves with that. Simply with aligning ourselves in a way that brings a place of safety so that as we practice, some of us among people we don't know, there's a sense of being able to release into the support of this container, rather than there being any fear or distrust, because we know that we all hold the same values. And so all of the precepts really are about non-harming, are about treating each other with respect, with honoring each other. And it's said that the precepts together bring happiness, and bring um, freedom and liberation and are a source of joy for everyone. So the first precept is, um, contains really the essence of all the others. It's about not harming life in any way. And traditionally, um, in the Pali, it's to take on the training of refraining from harming life. But we can also look at it as taking on the practice of compassionate action, so that there's a proactive part of it, that we're giving this gift to each other of caring about life as we walk around. And and, um, even though we're in silence, there's ways that we are caring for each other, and for the animals in the desert and the plants and the flowers, honoring life in that way. The second precept says to refrain from taking what's not freely given. And we can think of that as a practice of generosity, of sharing, of not um, taking the Earth's resources, but of sharing them with each other. And we can also think of it as a practice of contentment. Can what we receive be enough, rather than so much in our society that um, getting more is our mantra, or it's not good enough. So the practice of contentment. And the third precept is um, take, refraining from sexual activity for the purpose of this retreat. But it's also about responsibility in relationship, in really respecting each other and honoring our relationships with each other. And the fourth precept is undertaking the precept to refrain from harmful speech or, for our purposes, noble silence. But I like to take it a little bit further than that, because even though we won't be conversing with each other, we need to practice wise speech inside. And so when you're sitting there and the internal narrator is giving you a hard time, you might want to reflect, is this true? Is this useful, and is it kind? And so, as Jack was mentioning earlier, having kind attention as we sit is really helpful. And so just remembering that at any point during the retreat when you're falling into self-judgment, oh, the, the fourth precept, can I practice wise speech towards myself? And the final precept Traditionally, is to refrain from any taking any intoxicants that would cloud the mind, so that we're able to see clearly. Um, and it's also about practicing um, caring towards our body, so that we give caring and nourish our body. Um, and for me, sometimes that's remembering at lunchtime when there's so many wonderful dishes laid out to not take too much to eat if I want to be awake in the afternoon. So it's having compassion for our bodies in different ways, giving them the sleep and the rest and the food and the caring that they need in order that we can have clear minds. So let's take the precepts together, and I'm not going to chant them in Pali call and response. So I'll just say them, and you can say them to yourselves, in your own mind, in whatever way fits for you. And I'll say both the um, traditional way, and then also the um, alternate way that I just suggested. So you can let your eyes close, and just take this on in whichever way fits for you, as an aid to creating a safe and a kind container for each of us. I undertake the precept to refrain from halving life, or I undertake the training of compassionate action. I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which isn't freely given. I undertake the practice of contentment. I undertake the training to refrain from sexual activity. I undertake the training to practice responsibility in relationship. I undertake the training to refrain from harmful speech, or I undertake the practice of wise speech. I undertake the training to refrain from intoxicants that might cloud the mind. I undertake the practice of caring for body, mind and heart. And may we all practice this week caring for ourselves and each other. So, I wish you a wonderful retreat. Just so that you can hear our voices, my name's Heather Martin. I'm also from Canada. and We don't all sound like we're English, even though the two of us here do. I'm looking forward to meeting you and I uh, wish you a wonderful retreat. It's a beautiful place to practice. I haven't been here for a few years, but I've practiced here several times and uh, it's quite delightful.
4: Trudy, I also welcome you. This is my third year here, and I've been three years in California. So that's a wonderful thing. And I look forward to getting to meet those of you I don't know. And a big warm welcome to everyone and those I do.
1: Um, I'm Richard Shankman, and I was a uh, I'm very happy to be here. I'm a late addition to the list. And um, in addition just to um, looking forward to getting to meet uh, hopefully many of you and just wishing you a good retreat, I also just wish you um, enjoy just the, the ups and downs and the whole unfolding process um, this week.
4: So we we'd like to end with a period of practice, but I'd like to ask you to come and stand to standing first and in honor of your body. I just found out we don't want to do that. So one of the beauties of this practice is that we always begin right where we are. So take a moment to feel your body. Probably for many of us, there's the feelings that go with the actual experience of tiredness. Maybe achiness from sitting. And just take a moment to Lightly touch down through your body, inviting, a letting go, a dropping in, a beginning to arrive, beginning to allow the earth to hold your weight. A little more with each breath, with each exhale, Feel the place of pressure where your feet are touching the earth. Notice the possibility of letting go a little bit in the shoulders, the belly, softening in the knees. Ah. and with the next exhale that great sound of letting go Ah, and see if there's some movement maybe some movement in the shoulders what would your body like to Stretch and open would allow you to arrive a little more? Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Mm. Take a moment to welcome yourself and to feel gratitude for whatever it took to arrive in this moment. We all have a story about how we got here and what it took to be in this particular place in this moment a moment of appreciation for yourself for making this journey for honoring your own spiritual journey enough to say I deserve to take this time to meet myself in the desert to meet my true self my true nature. And so as you're ready, find your way in the most natural way back down into sitting. as you come into sitting, take a moment just to feel your body. This body is a field of energies. What do you notice? Maybe you feel some vibration, some heaviness, warmth and coolness. All the ways that energy, aliveness, lets us know that we're here. And to find your way home to your body, you might ask the question, how do I know that I'm here?